This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Amen. What a song choice for today. We see in the song Living Hope, the Incarnation, which we just celebrated at Christmas, Resurrection, which we're looking forward to um, as we celebrate Easter in a few months and as we look toward a new year. He is our living hope for this year. I want to speak about a New Year's theme on this New Year's Day. Open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look today at verses 5 through 8 and talk about God's wisdom for a new year. God's wisdom for a new year. If you're taking notes, you have the outline on the back of your, of your bulletin. This is one of those passages that uh, is just kind of a foundational, foundational wisdom. This is a day when, you know, we're, we're thinking about what comes ahead. We're looking, for, we're looking for principles that can guide us in this coming year. And this is just one of those great texts that gives us that. Proverbs 3, and let's look at verses 5 through 8 And if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know Him, and He will make your paths straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. And so, Father, as we look forward to this coming year, how we need your wisdom. We dare not lean on our own understanding. We desperately need you in 2023. And so, Lord, your wisdom is perfect. And we pray that you would give us the grace to turn to you today and to rely upon you this year like we never have before. Lord, draw us closer to you this year than ever before. Lord, we pray for victories and breakthroughs in our lives. We pray for tremendous growth in Christ by the power of your Spirit. And so, Lord, help us to get started right today through your word, by the power of your spirit working through your word. And we ask it in Christ's name, amen. When I think about this incredible text, I can't help but think about my uh, godly mom and dad. This is my mom's favorite verse, at least verses five and six, and she would quote Proverbs three, five and six um, very often, and she not only quoted it, she lived it. But when I think about this great text, I also think about my uh, godly father because the book of Proverbs is really written like a loving godly father speaking to a a child. You see that phrase, my my child, chapter one, here again at the beginning of chapter three. It's written like this loving godly father that's kind of sitting down across from uh, his child 
with a cup of coffee and, and, and just saying, let's, let's talk about life. I want to teach, teach you how to live. I want to give you wisdom for life that's going to enable you to, to, to flourish. Except for ultimately, when you think about the author of Proverbs, which is God, you're thinking about a father who has attributes that even the best human fathers don't have, like perfect knowledge, perfect love, perfect wisdom. So what is, what is our Heavenly Father saying to us today through this text? First of all, he's saying, trust me. Trust me. Trust God. Look at verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him, and he will make your paths straight. The Jesuit philosopher John Cavanaugh was seeking clarity about how to spend the rest of his life. And so he went and, and, and lived for a period of time at Mother Teresa's ministry center in Calcutta, the house of the dying. And on his first day there in India, he met Mother Teresa. And she asked him, how can I pray for you? And so he asked her to pray for the thing that had brought him all of that way to serve there in the house of the dying. He asked Mother Teresa if she would pray for clarity for him, for, for how to spend the rest of his life. And he was shocked by her response. She said, I will not pray for that. And he was, he was taken aback. And Mother Teresa looked at him and she said, clarity is the thing that you are holding on to that you need to let go of. And he was taken aback and he said, you know, I, I always perceived you as the person that had the, the most clarity that I knew about. And Mother Teresa giggled and she said, I have never had clarity. She said, what I have had is trust. And that is what I will pray for you, that you will trust God. And that story struck me because maybe like many of you, I, I'm big into clarity. <laughs> I, mean, I like my life in order. <laughs> I like my schedule in order. You know, I like my calendar in order. I like my desk in order. You know, I'm big into clarity. But as we look toward a coming year, you know what? God isn't spitting out a blueprint about what any of our lives are going to look like in 2023. What is God doing? God is telling each one of us to walk by faith. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Walk by faith, not by sight. What God is saying to each one of us as we look forward to a new year is trust me. Trust me each day. I'm not giving you a blueprint for what the year holds. I'm asking you to trust me and obey me day by day, moment by moment, and I'll take care of the rest. So let's look beginning 
at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now we see several aspects to this command. First of all, we see a call to trust God. And inherent in that call to trust him is the fact that we cannot manage our lives on our own. That we need him. We also see here the object of trust. Trust in the Lord. You know, since we got up this morning, we have placed our trust in all kinds of things that aren't as reliable as the Lord. That we haven't even thought about. We trusted in the fact that the the ceiling above our heads was not going to collapse during the night as it did upon apartment dwellers in that huge apartment building in Miami in the not too distant past. We got into an automobile and we trusted that the wheel wasn't gonna fall off and we weren't gonna swerve into ongoing traffic. We trusted that the drivers that were coming toward us were Going, not going to be looking at their phone or we're not going to be impaired uh, by something and, 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 and hit us head on. I was reminded fresh of this this morning. Just in, in driving here earlier this morning, I was on a, a, a two-way street with oncoming traffic and there was, no, there was just one car on the road at that point and he was in my lane headed towards me. And for a split second, I was... I mean, it's a, helpless, it's a helpless feeling. And yet, you know, we, we do this all the time, right? We're trusting, we're trusting in people and in things that, are, that, are, that ultimately are, are not reliable. But you know what? Our God is totally reliable, completely reliable. He is, there has never been a time in your life or mine when God has not been faithful. We can trust him. And so we see the object of trust, trust in the Lord, but then the nature of trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, you can put your full weight on the Lord. And listen to me. There's a sense in which if you are not trusting in the Lord with all your heart, you are not trusting in the Lord at all. If, when you fly, there comes that moment when you, when you get on the plane, you, you walk down, you walk through a, a tunnel, it's a ramp. You walk down the, the ramp and there comes, that, there comes that moment when you step from off of the ramp you know, into, you take that step into the actual cabin of the plane. Now, in all kinds of ways, that's a step of faith. You know, you're trusting in the people who built the plane. You're trusting in the mechanics who maintain the plane. You're trusting in the pilot who flies the plane. You're trusting that other pilots in the sky are going to listen to air traffic control and not collide with your plane. You're trusting that no uh, weird uh, wind event is uh, uh, not going to bring the plane down. You're trusting that, uh, you know, a a goose is not going to fly into the, the engine of the plane. I mean, there's all kinds of factors that are involved in that. And yet, when you fly regularly, I mean, like, you, 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 you don't, you just, you, you take that step. 
Because rationally you know that you know, you're safer actually on that plane than you are behind the wheel of a car. I've seen some really weird things in airports and on planes, really weird things. One thing I have never seen is a person who walks down the ramp and puts one foot in the cabin of the plane, you know, and another foot in the ramp and straddles between the two. Never seen that. Because we know there's coming a moment when they are going to pull that ramp away from the plane, close the cabin door, and you are either in or you are out. And ultimately, the only way to trust God is to be all in, to trust him with all of your heart. H.B. Charles says this, half-hearted trust is wholehearted unbelief masquerading as faith. Half-hearted trust is wholehearted unbelief masquerading as faith. The only way to trust God is with all your heart. Now the alternative we, we see in the second phrase here in verse five, and do not rely on your own understanding. That word, um, that word is translated here in the CSB as, as rely. Do not rely on your own understanding. You could translate it as depend. Do not depend on your own understanding or tr the traditional translation, uh, do not lean on your own understanding. It's interesting, um, when, in our David series in the fall, when we, we looked at the death of, of Saul, you remember Saul, Saul, 2 Samuel 1, 6, says that Saul committed suicide by leaning on his spear. Same word as here. Do not lean on your own understanding. You know, and, and, and in a way to do that, to lean on your own understanding is spiritual suicide. Because our own understanding is so flawed and so limited. God's understanding is neither flawed nor limited. He has perfect knowledge and he loves you like no one else. Do not lean upon the broken crutch of your own understanding. Lean upon the Lord. And then in verse six, in all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. Now traditionally, the way that my mom always quoted this, it was in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, which is a beautiful translation and, and good and and, and, and true, but let's think about, we need to dig into the meaning of these, of these words here. Um, so when you think about it in the traditional translation, in all your ways acknowledge him. But in modern English, the, the way that we use the word acknowledge tends to be about intellectual assent, right? So we'll, we'll say, well, yeah, I, I acknowledge that that's true. We hear, some, we hear some fact or whatever. Yeah, I acknowledge that. That's true. We're, we're basically giving a nod to something intellectually, and we're saying, yeah, I acknowledge that. 
This word is a lot more than that, (laughs) a lot more. It is not talking about a nod to God. It's way more than that. The great Old Testament scholar, Bruce Waltke, in his magisterial commentary on the book of Proverbs, Waltke translates it this way, in all your ways desire his presence. Desire his presence. Uh, Know him. Right? That's, you're getting a flavor of, of that here in, in the CSB. In all your ways, n- n- know, know him. And Walkie says that in Proverbs, to, to know means personal knowledge, intimate experience. Ray Ortland tells about uh, being in seminary, and one of his older seminary professors was telling about his, when his dad was was young many years ago and his dad was crossing a frozen Susquehanna river but he did not know how thick the ice was and so he was crossing very carefully in fact he was down on all fours inching his way (laughs) across the river because he just didn't know how thick the ice was and as he's inching his way across the river he hears the sound of horses and a wagon approaching and and he turns and he sees that this this wagon driver without a moment's hesitation just directs these four huge horses and this wagon right onto that frozen river and just just goes right on across it see that wagon driver was a local he knew he knew and when you know God, you know that you can trust God. You know that God is going to be faithful. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, again, traditionally, we hear, and he will direct your paths, um, which is absolutely true, Absolutely biblical, right? Psalm 23, he leads me in paths of righteousness. We see in all, all throughout the Bible, right? God does give us direction. The Spirit does lead us, direct us. Yes, so true. But I think that the word here is, is more about God's intervention than his direction does give us direction for sure, right? But, but the, the word here has a, the meaning of that God will intervene. God will make your path straight. God will intervene along your path as you need his intervention. And we will need his intervention. We're gonna need God's intervention this year. You're gonna come across things in your life this year where you're walking along the path You're seeking to follow God, but yet you're going to get to things on the path where you're you're going to be like, Lord, I need you to come through here. It's going to be like you're walking along the path and you come to a river, (laughs) a river that's going across the path. What, What then? And Ray Pritchard says this when you come to that moment. Doubt says, don't you go forward. Fear says, I'm afraid of the consequences of going forward. Worry says, how are we going to go forward with this body of water in the way? 
Pritchard says, faith keeps walking, trusting that God will build a bridge, send a ship, or teach you to swim. In other words, you keep walking by faith. You keep walking in obedience. You keep doing the, the next right thing. What's the next right step in obeying God? That's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna trust him. And I'm gonna trust him to come through. I'm gonna trust him to provide. Listen, Jesus says in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Right? In other words, you focus on God, right? Living out his kingdom, right? Living with Jesus as your king, living under his lordship, obeying him, taking that next right step of obedience, trusting in God every step. He'll take care of the rest. All these things will be added unto you, all these things will be provided for you. He'll take care of the rest. You trust and obey. Trust God. Second, fear God and turn away from evil. Fear God and turn away from evil. Let's look at verses seven and eight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. So the first command here that we see in verse 7 is don't be wise in your own eyes. Waltke says this refers to the individualist who does it his own way. But isn't that exactly what our culture tells us is a virtue? (laughs) The individualist, the rugged individualist who does it his own way? What did Sinatra sing? I did it my way. That has 129 million views on YouTube. I just looked at it this morning. And it's an incredibly stupid way to live. The Bible says don't do it your way. Do it God's way. Don't be wise in your own eyes. That's foolish. Proverbs 26 and verse 12 says, do you see a person who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. No, instead of looking to yourself and your own wisdom, you look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look at the second phrase in verse seven. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear, fear the Lord. Now, kind of the, the keystone verse of the whole book of Proverbs talks about fearing the Lord, right? Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we need to understand what the fear of the Lord is and what it's not. Ray Ortland says, What then is the fear of the Lord? It is not a cringing dread before the Lord. It is not a guilty, oh no, here comes God, I'm in for it now. 
The fear of the Lord is openness to him, eagerness to please him, humility to be instructed by him. The fear of the Lord is openness to him, eagerness to please him, humility to be instructed by him. Now, fear the Lord and turn away from evil are inseparable commands. If you humble yourself before the Lord in reverent awe and you eagerly desire to please him, you will turn from evil. And then verse 8 tells us the results of that. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Again, Walkie says humankind is sick on the road to death, and in need of healing. But by trust in the Lord, which is inseparably connected with turning from evil, people find healing. Deep healing. Healing that goes right down to the bones. Now listen, when we consider these four verses we run up against something. We have all failed to obey these four verses. <laughs> there, there, there is not one of us that has trusted in the Lord with all of our heart. All of us have been guilty of relying on our own understanding. We have not known him and sought his will in all of our ways. Too often we've done our own thing and asked God to bless it on the back end. Too often we have been wise in our own eyes. And instead of fearing the Lord in reverent awe and turning away from evil, we have run toward evil. We have all done it. Our way. One of the greatest prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament both affirms our failure and affirms the remedy for our failure. Isaiah 53 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God saw us going our own way and the utter mess of things that we had made by doing that. And instead of allowing us to wallow in our own way, and the consequences of our own way. He loved us so much that he sent his son. Jesus lived these verses perfectly. He never failed to trust God with all of his heart. He, he never failed to obey. He lived a perfectly faithful life. And then on the cross, he took all of our failures, all of our sins, upon himself 
died in our place and then rose victoriously from the dead that we can have eternal life. And he is ascended and reigning as king. Look to him. Look to Christ. Look to the one who obeyed perfectly. Look to the one who died in your place, who took your sins upon himself. And when you look to him in faith, the Bible says you are united to him. And his, the merits of his perfect life and his atoning death are, are credited to your account. And what's more, he'll give you new life. The reality, the reality of his death, the reality of his resurrection. It becomes, it becomes yours. You're raised to walk in newness of life. And the power of the Spirit floods into your life and gives you power for living. We cannot live for the Lord in our own strength this coming year. We need to do that in the power of the Spirit of God. And he promises that if you turn to him and trust him. Let's pray together. So Lord, we look to you this year. Not to our own strength, not to our own understanding. Lord, would you give us the grace by your spirit to trust in you with all of our heart. To not rely on our own understanding. To know you in all of our ways and trust you to intervene along the path as we walk in trust and obedience this year. Lord, may we not be wise in our own eyes. May we fear you and turn from evil. And Lord, you promise there is deep, deep healing and refreshment and renewal in that. As we continue to pray, for some of you, this means giving your heart to Christ. Turn to him, trust him. On the first day of a new year, life can begin anew. Turn to Jesus as your Savior and Lord and King. Trust him. For all of us, this is a day of, of, of renewal and commitment of our lives. It's an opportunity to turn afresh to the Lord and to experience his renewal and how exciting life can be. We don't know what this year is going to bring, but if we're walking with the Lord, we know that whatever comes our way, we're not doing it alone, and we know that God is faithful. Make this a time of, of renewing your commitment to walk and trust and obedience today. And so, Father, we ask for that very thing. Lord, by your Spirit, uh, would you work in our lives today and every day of this year to come? Lord, would you, would you use us? Use us as your people. Lord, as we go forth in this world, we know that there are so many that are hurting and lost and so confused that you will bring across our path. And Lord, we want to be your agents. We want to be your ambassadors in this broken world this year. Um, 
but Lord, that, that, that comes from walking with you, that comes from a flourishing, spirit-filled walk with you. And so, Lord, we pray for that in our own lives, that you would work deeply in us, that you might work uh, incredibly through us in this coming year. For your glory's sake, and we ask it in Christ's name. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.